Welcome back to another episode of Keeping Current. It's been a little bit of time since we've been able to do one. Just uh, everybody's been going in different directions, and we're still going in different directions. So we're I'm going to do this one a little bit different today. I'm going to do three segments because I have three people that I want to talk to about the current. Uh, first of all, this is Seth Bell from the Kansas City Soccer Journal. And with me, I have the wonderful and amazing Jillian Carroll Ladrinko, uh, KC Current Broadcast Team, uh, local media. I'm going to call you celebrity now, so... Oh man, hardly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because you're you're with which station? You got to plug everything. So, KCTV five. Catch me at nine a.m. Monday through Friday. Hmm. And she does an amazing job there. But first and foremost, she's an amazing soccer analyst, and we're here to talk about the current. Uh, another loss at home, three two. Great start. What did you see that got him off to that great start? What I mean, a little bit of luck. Honestly, and I even asked this question after the the match in the presser, I just felt like they were all operating on the same page for the first time, maybe all season. Honestly, I think this was their most cohesive, positive foot on the pedal start to a match. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a tiny bit of luck on your side if you're able to find the back of the net in 22 seconds. However, the ball did make it to the back line and then back out wide. And it was the by the grace of Dabinia and her speed to progress was such intent getting forward. And then all of the layered runs in the box, it was a beautiful goal um, from Michelle Cooper. It kind of fell very luckily to her. And I think you heard it too, Thad. She was a little bit surprised. I think yep. she said, I think her words were, I was pretty shocked, honestly, when it, you know, when it fell right to her. Um, but yeah, she was ready. She was in the right spot and she didn't hesitate. So a little bit of luck, but to me, this was such a just team start. It was so together. It was so same page. Um, and moving past that first goal, even just the possession was just another level. And it wasn't strictly the center of the field or even the middle third of the field. The team was able to maintain possession in tight spaces on the touch lines, in the back, um, in the back, and then switched point of attack. And then on the opposite touch line, um, if I had to name a player, the match for me, Dabinia comes to mind. Dabinia is always up there. Right. Um, the difference maker for me, and I personally saw a difference between first and second half because we missed her, was Morgan Gatra. And it was just the possession that she was able to keep. She's directing people. Um, she's a coach on the field. She provides confidence, support, options, creativity. Uh, she just added so much to this match. And to see her through that first 45 was awesome. Um, Di Bernardo has been so effective, but alongside Morgan Gatra, Vanessa Di Bernardo is even, you know, her, she's able to raise the bar of what she's able to do. So just a phenomenal start from the entire team. Attitude wise, they were all running like crazy people. There was so much movement off the ball, um, fantastic possession. And like I said, all over the field, confident possession. Um, and to be quite honest, the way they started, I expected more goals. Um, I expected more and the opportunities were there. They just, they weren't able to put them away. So positive start. And for me, one of the best starts, you know, the four nail game was, or the, you know, the last match, the challenge cup game was amazing as well. But to me, this was probably their best start. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, just having 
Gatra, uh, Morgan and Vanessa both out there at the same time has was a big, huge difference. We knew it would be. That's why they went and signed them. It's just sad that it's the middle of the season before they can get them both out there. Also having Elizabeth Ball out there to start at defense helped a lot because uh, the young back line has done an absolute amazing amount of work and a great job for being so young, but they are still young and inexperienced, so they have been uh, taken advantage of a few times. But having Ball back there was really a big help. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, a lot of wisdom, experience, and also um, lead, just leadership, right? Um, but on that note, I mean, I almost, I don't feel bad, but I almost, um, I just think twice about Gabrielle Robinson and Croy Soto. Um, I don't feel like they're being stunted in their development, but I do think some of their development has been put on hold because they're needed on the field. Right. Yeah. And we all, the best teacher of the game is the game. We know that. However, I think being so young, being able to watch from the sideline and play some is the most ideal way to learn. So I do feel like their growth has been um, challenged. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but it's it's been awesome to have Elizabeth Ball back as well. And I just can't wait till um, and, you know, the same on that same note, obviously, Kristen Hamilton, when those three didn't get the minutes in the second half that they did in the first for me. I did see a drop off. Um, and so, I mean, and, and that's kind of expected, right. Um, but yeah, phenomenal start for the team front to back, um, saw some flashes of just beautiful possession Yep. soccer IQ. Um, and, and for the first time, like we saw a lot of it being executed, which was really nice. One of the things that you said, and, I, and you've said it a couple times, but uh, but leadership when you with Morgan out there, with Elizabeth out there, Hamilton out there, there's a leadership that wasn't necessarily there before, or not as consistently. Or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to criticize anybody, but uh, how much that leadership comes into play? I don't know if a lot of people necessarily realize that when they're watching the game. But from you as a player, you as a coach, what you know, how do you see that that leadership changes the game? Yeah, that's one of those like intangible statistics, like nobody's going to get, you know, there's no stat line for how many minutes of leadership you provided, right. but it's, it's imperative. Um, you have to have a voice, you have to have um, communication and someone willing to step up and, and, and do the coaching on the field, right? And, and, and not only, you know, sometimes we equate leadership with being a communicator or being loud. That's not always the case. You can be a quiet leader. You can lead by example, et cetera. Um, it's just, you're going nowhere without a leader, right? You're not doing anything without a leader, leadership people, a crew of, of, of people who are willing to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Now let's go, right? Um, so it's tough. And there's certainly been multiple players who have stepped up in their moments and really put the team on their back or really provided that that leadership that's in in a moment where they're down three goals or whatever it is and things aren't going the same the way they want um you know we saw Vanessa DiBernardo pull the team together physically pulled them into a circle in on the middle of the field and say hey that was one goal we've got to put it behind us short memory get our acts together and let's go um she is a person who I feel like has quietly and slowly risen 
um, as a leader. Obviously, we saw her with the first time with the captain band on um, not this match, last match. And then this past match, when Hamilton left the field, she handed Vanessa DiBernardo the captain band. So, um, you know, not to say that there aren't other players with leadership qualities, but oftentimes and in a league like this, and when you have rookies around you getting major minutes, it's going to be that person with the wisdom, right? With the experience, with the minutes. Um, and those are things I think about when I think of Morgan Gatra, Kristen Hamilton, Elizabeth Ball. So um, it's so important. And the team has been doing an incredible job of, you know, staying positive and focused and um, I guess dialed in without quote unquote, some of their leaders on the field. Right. Um, but I do think that we saw the difference that leadership can make when we, when Morgan took the field. Yeah. And I think for me, when I'm looking at it, just kind of in a micro level, those good leaders are kind of helping the other players know where to be at, in those moments because they use that experience that they have. So a Morgan might be, you know, pointing for Gabrielle to move over to, you know, to cover behind or whatever. Right. Definitely. It's just that that's how that experience comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we didn't, we didn't get to the second goal yet, but uh, Dabinia PK, uh, you know, the cross goes in, goes off. Was it one of the Ashley's arm? And they, they, we get the VAR call for once. One time all season, I'll take it. Yeah. And Dabinia obviously puts it in no problem. Made it look easy, which that's what she does. And, you know, that's one of those, like, sure, it wound up to be a penalty. um, But before the penalty, it was a pretty decent opportunity, right? Like you just said, and the cross came in. Um, and so, you know, teams can always say like, oh, but they got a penalty, you know, but it was truly an earned opportunity in my opinion. Yeah, it it was the, uh, Washington's first goal, 30 something minute, I forget exactly, but, uh, again, a a shot that took a little bit of deflection. I think it was off of, of, uh, ball's leg. Maybe it kind of went in a little bit slower than you would want your keeper to let it in, but it was a deflection. So she was probably not reading it until then. Yeah, but they came back and started playing really well right after that. They didn't get down like you were saying earlier. They came together and started and kept playing. Yeah, they showed some maturity there, some resilience there. Um, and I believe that is also after that, after they scored, is when Kansas City had the goal that was then called back. Yeah. So, I mean, that might have been, although unfortunately it was called back, one of my favorite goals this season. <laughs> So I guess I can't really count it as that, but you're right. They came back. They didn't let that defeat them where in the past they had, they didn't give up ever, but in the past they remembered it and it was like in their mind and kind of digging at them. But and they would often match, give up a second one very quickly. Exactly. Yes. I was going to say the difference in this match is they didn't sit back afterwards. They went hard and they all went together. Numbers were getting up. It was a team attack. Um, you're right. They did not give anything up. They did not. And I mean, Washington was pretty physical. I would say from the beginning, I remember, I can't remember what minute it was now, but I want to say like, uh, right around the half, the fouls were 11 for Washington and two for Kansas city. So it was a very unbalanced physical game. Um, but Kansas city never like stepped back. They never 
took a defensive posture. They went after it every time. And then, like I said, that goal from the one that was called back, but the one Dabinia, she really was finding herself with a long range shot a little bit, maybe more than normal. Um, and this is what that was. She was at the top of the box, well, maybe 10 yards out of the box. Um, and what I thought she was winding up to just smash one on target. And at the last second, it just hooked to the left and found Kristen Hamilton and Hamilton, one of the best touches I've ever seen kind of went down. Probably it probably came at her belly, uh, height wise, but she came tested it right off the ground and smashed it in oh my god those girls not they never gave up you know that that goal right there that fortunately got called back they just got scored on and then they went and created that goal like they were not they never once thought oh crap it could be over you know and I really think and I think coach mentioned this today but I really think if that goal goes in it it, they don't score Washington doesn't score again yeah, and I, it's a mentality thing, and it's probably true. Uh, just following up on the fouls thing you said earlier, uh, the total was 15 to 5 in the end, uh, yeah. 15 fouls for Washington. Yeah, they were chippy. It was physical. Um, Trinity Rodman was all over, and that's what you can expect from her. She's a diehard competitor, but um, strong, actually, fast, skilled. Oh my gosh, she's, she's cool to watch, man. She's very cool to watch, but. She's just like a train and she just means business. So if you're in the way, you're going to be a victim. <laughs> yep. Um, but not just her, Ashley Hatch and Sanchez both picked up a couple fouls too. Um, but yeah, 15 to five. I mean, it was a, it was a physical match from them. Yeah. And, and we got to remember that's a team that has f- probably four U.S. national team going right. to the World Cup players on it. Exactly. Exactly. Played them next week. It'd be a big different story probably. Isn't that wild? Uh, yeah, because uh, and likely uh, the current have already said they'll they'll be losing Dabinia. They haven't officially announced the Brazil roster, but that was her last home game. She'll probably she'll play in Orlando and then probably go on to uh, join Brazil. And the U.S. roster hasn't come out yet, but again, we can uh, pretty well assume Trinity Rodman, yeah. at least one or two of the Ashleys, probably Kingsbury, probably Andy Sullivan, maybe. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's again, that's another one that's, you're right. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they even have any other ones that might be going to the world cup, but that's, that's three to five of them right there. That would be on the national team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So from my perspective, it seemed to go downhill when all these players that we've just been talking about had to sub out because they're, they're not 60 minute, 90 minute fit. Yeah. And sadly that's just where they're at right now. Uh, and then having, multiple games this week well actually no this sorry uh they have a week in between but it's the travel to orlando and so they're gonna have to you know see again manage these players mm-hmm. but i mean did you see the same thing as as those subs came out the, the the momentum shifted to washington yeah no i did and really second half you know mark parsons has been in this league a long time um he's been coaching forever across the pond and here and everywhere and he's no fool to uh he gets it he gets the league so what i saw them do was they were slightly defensive a little more than i expected coming out of the match and then second half that back line stepped up very high very quickly so the change that they made 
Um, and obviously the score was probably what they, not what they expected. Um, and so they went from a slightly defensive posture to sending numbers up immediately. So he made that change, which I felt like was impactful. Um, and then what happened was Kansas City was starting to, instead of capitalize on their ability to possess through the center, um, we started seeing so many long ball attempts. And so they were trying to get behind the defense that just stepped up and left space behind them. But was ha what was happening was they were trying to send balls over the top and it wasn't working. It was right. being, it was essentially, they were handing the ball back. So that wasn't good. So the, so when they strayed from their strength of possession, Kansas city started losing the ball by trying to go over the top a couple of times it was slotted through and that seemed to work. Um, saw some runs deep in the uh, kind of down the flanks from slotted balls, a diagonal ball a couple of times, but everything that tried to go over, uh, I remember one getting through to, I think Hammy was still on the, on the field. I think it was Kristen Hamilton. Um, but it was like a heavy touch and, and, uh, Kingsbury came out. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that was tough for me. And Mimi Larson came in and was working. I mean, she was side to side and pressuring and, um, she just really wasn't ever receiving the ball with her back to goal, um, or really given a, an opportunity to get behind the defense. So for me, it was the personnel and then the fact that, and it's related to the personnel, they just stopped trying to possess through the center. So it was, didn't work yeah, out. I would, I would agree. The, uh, I, I will say one thing for, uh, Larson, she did get the ball in one spot, in this, um, I can't remember exactly what time it was, but it was probably just inside the 18 or right at the edge of the 18. And she was able to get a little bit of a turn on it and, and, and got a really nice shot, but Kingsbury yeah. Yeah. was able to read it. And if it had been mm -hmm. a different keeper, that may not have been saved. That's a good point. She turned with her first touch. Yeah, it was, it was quick. Yeah. She was ready. And excuse me. I remember saying in the broadcast last week, Coach told us that she had never seen Mimi Larson score so many goals in a week of training before. And so we were like, this is great. <laughs> um, but then she came in um, and, and to your point, sick turn. She was really aware. She did it quickly. Um, and it was a beautiful strike, but Kingsbury, uh, she had it covered. She did. But you're right. Maybe on a different keeper might have been a little out of position to start, might not have seen it coming. Who knows? Yeah, I was I was very impressed with that shot at that moment because yeah. of where I was actually shooting from. It was a really good angle to see it. That's this is yeah. a often when I'm shooting a game, I don't see a lot of things that people can see from a higher angle, but I also see right. things that people don't see. And the, the it was a, a really good angle through traffic that she placed that ball. So I was really happy with it. Just a little bummed it wasn't a goal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm pulling for her. I feel like I feel like she's going to have a moment where if she can finish like just this first goal, I think it's going to be like somebody ripped the top off and all the grasshoppers are going to jump out of the jar. <laughs> That's a unique way to phrase it. So, so That is um, some high quality analogy slash coaching from St. Thomas Aquinas high school. That wow. was we were told to be the grasshopper. Whoever jumped out first, everyone else will follow you. <laughs> All right. A, a well-known school for uh, women's soccer, too. It worked, apparently. <laughs> All right. 
so I got, I know we, uh, we only have a limited amount of time probably because yeah. you have so many things you're doing in your life. Uh, as I'm trying to go, try, try to decide which question. So I'm stalling to figure out which question I wanted to throw out there. But as Dabinia, when she does go off to the World Cup, and they're going to have to rely on a little bit of different style of play because there's nobody that's Dabinia. I mean, you could say, oh, we have a 10. We can get, we got 10s that can fill in, but -hmm. nobody's Dabinia. Yeah. You think that they rely on that possession and a a little bit different, more solid buildup where they're going to try to play Mimi and Hammy in a different way instead of like relying. Cause I often, the reason I'm asking this is I often see teams that rely on a player. Oh, we get the ball to that player. And it yeah. it's a it's a you know a negative for the players around them sometimes because they they don't get as involved as they could. Maybe this actually helps the current while she's gone to build everybody else into a cohesive unit. That when Dabinia comes back, she's just an add-on at that point. Does that make sense? What, what do you think? What kind of add-on, man? That's like some <laughs> that'd be yeah. an amazing. <laughs> but yes, no, I agree with you. Um, so. It's hard, right? Because this season was so atypical for a team to have so many injuries. Um, and then this new player in Dabinia. And so it was, there's the lack of, not the lack of quality players around her. I'm not saying that by any means at all, but I am saying a lack of the returning core, right? Of the team and bringing in this new, um, very unique like qualities, right? This new player with unique qualities. And so it's a mesh of like, okay, we're a lot of newness. And oh, by the way, we have this like wildly high caliber new skill set. So how do we make this all work? So it's tough because I just don't know that halfway through the season, I think they're just now figuring it out, right? right? And so to your point, yes, she will be removed and it is absolutely going to have to change how they attack, how they possess, how they do everything because she was such an impactful player. I am really excited to, for the potential of Vanessa DiBernardo to get more offensive. We know she wants to be there. We know she was really playing that six out of necessity. Um, so to your point, I am hoping that we can see her plugged up there and maybe the 10, um, I also think Cece Kaiser has a lot of the creativity. Um, you know, I'm not comparing her to Dabinia. Dabinia plays her own way. But Cece Kaiser has a high creative, a high soccer IQ, where I think she could do some really good things there. And then to your point, you've got Hammy, you've got Mimi Larson. How are, how are you going to find them? And Michelle Cooper all have speed, but specifically Larson and Cooper, they have the physicality as right. well. Right. Um, so I do think it's going to be different. Uh, I think with Morgan Gatra getting regular minutes, hopefully soon. Um, and obviously Lowe is going to need some time to recover, but uh, Chardonnay could come in um, and just hold down the six, the eight, and then hopefully De Bernardo can go up to the top and she's a tactical mind as well. So not going to be the um shifty kind of cheeky brazilian style but she'll bring possession and as we saw the last two matches she's been shooting quite a bit which is great so it'll be different but the good news is is there is personnel there um you know 
four weeks ago, six weeks ago, there really wasn't, unfortunately. So it's going to be a tough loss for sure. How do you, you can't replace Dabinia, but I think that you said it today with talking with coach, like opportunity for the next man up, right? Like this is an incredible opportunity for others to step up. Cool. Uh, anything you want to throw in there that I wasn't smart enough to ask you before I uh, <laughs> we move on to another segment with another person? No, I just also think it's really exciting. Um, so tomorrow the team is having their final uh, topping out ceremony. So the beam that fans signed at the game, that's going to be the final beam um, as far as the new stadium goes. So it's just so exciting to see that constant growth off the field. Yep. On the field as of late, but also that, um, yeah. So I'm just ha happy for the team. Cool. Yeah, sadly, I won't be able to be there. I have to uh, be out of town, which is one reason we're recording today. So. Yes, 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 yes. I forgot about that, yeah. Um, and yeah, looking forward to Orlando. It's going to be wild. And isn't it crazy to think, what if we got to play them a week after the, uh, a week later maybe, because you think about Adriana and Marta and, and their presence there, but Gotta love the schedule, man. <laughs> yeah, can't control that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Jillian, I really appreciate having you on. As always, uh, great to talk to you. I know you. You want to tell us what you're doing tonight? That we had to do this this afternoon. Oh, I'm tonight is a week that I'm back with the Chiefs. Actually. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just staying busy, man. <laughs> cool. Well, enjoy and uh, greatly appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Dad. I will uh, see you soon. Safe travels. And we will uh, maybe have some ads in between this and the next segment. And if not, bonus. Okay. Thank you. All right, back again with uh, segment two of the latest Keeping Current. I have with me now Keaton Code. And uh, thanks to Jillian for having joined on the first segment. Keaton, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. What about you, Thad? Not too bad. Just trying to keep up with a lot of soccer lately. Well, you have three, three little segments for one game. So I wouldn't expect anything less than you th from you, though. We're uh, we're doing our best here. We we kind of missed a, a little bit of time there with not getting a, a keeping current episode out, and because we couldn't get everybody at the same spot at the same time, so mm -hmm. this is the best way to manage it. Gonna make it work. Yep. All right. So current jumped out to uh, a two nothing lead, but then ended up losing three two. Yeah. What went wrong? Well, I got it. Okay, something that just from a player perspective that my coaches have always told us, like. A 2-0 lead is a very dangerous lead to have. Sometimes you'd rather be 1-0 than 2-0 just because, and this is not all the time, but a lot of time players tend to relax into the game too much. And they're like, oh, we're up 2-0, no big deal. Let's just keep possession. But the thing is that gets dangerous really quick. And that can start snowballing like we saw um, on Sunday night. And so I think maybe players sat in too much, got a little uh, comfortable and content. And then I think also there were some issues with subbing changes. And then again, kind of with the back line, I think we're just still trying to figure out who works well back there. Because if you see throughout the season, a lot of teams keep the at least the back line pretty consistent. And I think we've changed it seriously like every game. 
And so I think we're just trying to figure out like what back line we like and who works well together and who's able to communicate that. But I would say it came down to a um, kind of checking out, you could say. I mean, even if they don't say they are subconsciously a two-a lead, you're going to get um, a little bit comfortable in the game. And then I would say some subbing changes and then also just trying to get our back line comfortable and confident with each other. Yeah, I think for the current, one of the struggles has been they've had a, a, a young back line with uh, Gabrielle Robinson and, and Croy Soto a lot and Addison Merrick when she's been back there. Yep. So having ball in the first half, it was pretty key to at least being a little more solid back there. I agree. Yeah, I think you could tell, especially because I think the goals against were very, they were breakdowns of the back line. It wasn't like, uh, I mean, de- de- besides the, you know, deflection, um, but still no one was stepping there. There wasn't that communication. And so I think um, a lot of the goals were getting broken down, whereas some of ours are like, oh, that's a header, that's a PK, you know, where it's not as much of a defensive breakdown. But I think a lot of the goals that um, are scored against us are defensive breakdowns. And I agree, I think it's with the back line, but I think ball really helped, especially in the first half trying to control that. Another one was uh, Morgan Gatra. It's her, it was, uh, I think, her first start, but she just brings so much experience yeah. to that sixth position. And I, th- I think her and uh, Vanessa DiBernardo were kind of playing that dual pivot back there. Yeah. Uh, Morgan brought uh, – Jillian and I talked in the first segment a little bit about how much leadership she brings back there. Did uh, did you see, like, a big difference when she subbed out at halftime? I, I think so. I would agree with what you and Jillian said. I think that – And as much as you don't want to call them rookies and stuff, it's different. And so Morgan brings just that, um, the mindset and the energy and the more understanding of the game. She's been playing longer. She's been in the league longer. And so I I agree when she subbed out, I think there was kind of a shift. And even if it's not that vocal communication and leadership all the time, she's leading by example and kind of bringing the energy of the team up. And so I think when she subbed out, we definitely had some breakdowns through the middle resulting in those goals. So even in the, between the first half and the second half, Dabinia was always dangerous. But it, uh, I think one of the nice things is even after they gave her that first goal, they kind of came back into the game more and, and were getting back on the attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where did you see them having the best success? Current? Yeah. I would say when we're going down, especially on that right side, because, I mean, everyone sees Dabinia as a dynamic player, and if you put her at the 10 – She's not going to play a traditional 10. She's going to get up. She's going to get wide. She's going to make those runs. And I think that's why it works with Morgan and DiBernardo in the middle because they're able to stay that pivot. But Dabina, uh, Dabinia, geez, she gets on that right side and takes it down the line. And then I think we did a really good job of getting Hamilton and Cece in and Michelle Cooper or whoever was in there at that time. And I think she was able to then slot that ball back, which is super dangerous and really hard to defend because your body shape's not right. And if it's a driven ball on the ground, that's a really easy one-touch hit. Keeper's not expecting it. Backline's not expecting it. So I think we were really dangerous, especially on that right side. And then um, also CC Kaiser was pretty dangerous on that side too. I think she was one of the most influential players in the game yesterday, or Sunday. Speaking of Michelle Cooper, uh, um, she got her first league goal, fastest goal in, in league history, all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how calm would you have been if you got that ball there where she was? The fact that she was like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, not content. What am I looking for? Uh, I'm just gonna say calm. I can't find the word I'm looking for, but she was calm enough to get the ball, take the touch and hit it because you, I mean, you see it all the time, even in MLS and everything, they just hit it one time and it's rocketing over the goal. But the way that, and it was like kind of a deflection. I don't think it was supposed to go to Michelle. Who did it hit off of before it went to her? 
Well, I think they might have been trying to get it to her, but it did go off a, a, a Washington defender and it just deflected right to her. It worked perfect. And she somehow her shape and she took a touch and it was perfectly placed shot. I think it was great. And like her celebration was awesome, like running back and the pictures from it and stuff. Did you get any pictures of it? Were you you were there, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, I did get some pictures of it. The Ironically to me, always the shot, the pictures of the shot is usually the yeah, that's okay. You know, it's kind of, yeah. unless you're just in the perfect angle or something like that. Right. But it's the celebration, the, that, mm-hmm. that jubilation uh, yep. that's they're running back together and watching yeah. players faces as they run towards each other, things like that. Yeah, I agree. Those are, I, I would, and those are the ones that always are on social media and those are the ones that you always want to see. So I think that's, I think that's really good for her too. I think she's been on the up this season. I think as she continues to be a goal scorer and a difference maker, I think her confidence is going to grow. And I think she's definitely a player of confidence like most people are. And so I think if she continues to do that, hopefully then, um, if, you know, she's she's able to help the team more. So, Yeah, I was very happy for her because she, she got the one in the Challenge Cup, but uh, she had a goal that was called back. So just getting those, seeing that ball going into the net, it's going to build confidence. It's going to make her just feel like she's going to be in the right spots better. Right, especially 22 seconds into the game. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's not shabby at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it could be better, but what yeah. was the previous record? Do you know? Oh, no, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that. What, like uh, 23 seconds? <laughs> yeah, we should have told her we expect 21 seconds next time. Yeah, exactly. Come on, be a little bit faster. All right, so... I don't, I didn't really prepare you. I don't think for this question. So I'm throwing it at you. So sorry. Okay. That's okay. One of the things that I wonder about, cause Dabinia has one more game before she gets called up to the world cup, uh, mm-hmm. presuming cause they haven't actually officially announced it yet. Yeah. And I've asked Jillian this, I asked coach about this, mm-hmm. but when she goes, do you, how do you think it affects the team? Obviously you're losing the, the single most talented player off the team. Every team's going to be losing players, Washington right. would have lost three to five players. We'll find that out tomorrow. Right. Uh, but anyway, to me, I always I've seen teams lose their single best player, but actually play better as a team. Right. Do you see them coming together like that? Maybe being a more possession team and not just a oh we're going to w- rely on brilliance. I I mean I think if you look back to current last year, I think we've always been a possession team. So I think when Dabinia came, obviously she's brought this energy and stuff, but I think she plays a different style. Um, She's very much in all, like, if you look on the field, you 99% of the time don't know what position she's playing. (laughs) Like she'll be on the right side and the left side, and then she'll be back. And that's really good to have a dynamic player like that. But I think sometimes you'll see, like, she'll take a touch back, but maybe someone wasn't really expecting that because they haven't been playing together long enough, you could say. I mean, I don't know. Do you see that too, where sometimes she'll like make a run and someone doesn't time the pass because they're not quite sure what she's going to do because she's a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, that, that unpredictability can be great, but it can also throw right. you off as a defender exactly. both on both ends. Right, exactly. And so I think that it can either, I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think either the team's going to be like, oh my gosh, what do we do? But I also think CeCe Kaiser stepped up a lot. I think having Crystal Kristen Hamilton back has really helped. I think Michelle Cooper has done really well I think we might be missing a little in midfield so I'm not quite sure who would step into that position but I think as far as like a front line and attacking I think they do really well together and I will say CeCe Kaiser is very big on the dribble as well so I think we could really attack from that left side and get the runs in um 
I, I mean, I'm hoping that everyone steps up. We, I mean, now that, you know, we have Morgan and she's obviously a leader on the field and maybe she can take control of the midfield. And then, you know, um, I think, yes, she's going to be missed. And, you know, if, I mean, we don't know if she's going yet, but there's a good chance. But I think this might also be a good chance for the team to grow into each other. And have you ever seen Kicking and Screaming? I have. But you know, just recently, actually. Do, do you know Pass It to the Italians? Yeah. You know, when they're like, Pass It to the Italians, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, they don't have the Italians anymore. So they need to, like, kind of figure it out on their own. So I think, like, as dumb as that sounds, I feel like it kind of applies to this. And so I think that them being able to play with each other. And then, yes, Dabinia is obviously a very important part of the team. But then when she comes back, she just, yay, this is a plus. It's not like we rely on her. But I think the team will do well. And I think these past couple of games, maybe they haven't gone how we'd like, or, you know, there were technical breakdowns, but I think we're starting to grow and get better. Like, I think maybe it's not the results we want, but I think it's starting to look better, especially on the attack. And that's where she's a big pivot point. So. And, and for Orlando, it's pass it to the Brazilians because they have a couple of them. It is. <laughs> maybe that's what people should start saying. I'm honestly, because kicking and screaming is on Netflix now, isn't it? I don't know. I I just I saw it pop up on something recently and like realized I had not watched the whole thing ever. So I've seen like bits of it and then so I actually uh-huh. sat and watched ninety percent of it. Uh-huh. It's so it's so funny. I love that movie. Will Ferrell is the best. So that just makes me think of it past the Italians. My wife walked in and was like, What is this going on here? <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> That's funny. Will Ferrell? Ditka? Yeah. That's so funny. I love that movie. That's a we need to have a pod that's just on soccer movies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What's she's the man? Have you seen that one? Yep, that was pretty good. That was a good one. Um, what are some other good ones? We we're gonna doing this sometimes. We're doing a podcast on soccer movies. Have you ever seen the one on the uh, 1950 World Cup game? It, it actually just went by a couple different names, like the greatest game, but there's another name for it because no. they used a, another movie's name at one point. Oh, huh. Yeah, I seen it's not like really famous and like on a bunch of, uh, you know, like Netflix kind of recycle type of yeah. things. But uh, it was it was good in that it showed the 1950 uh, U.S. win over England oh, and yeah. it had some real soccer players in it. Yeah, so. that's cool. That's really OK. I was going to ask you this question about the game. So I just think it's interesting that from the sporting game and then from current how many times the referee has had like such an impact on the game. Like I just, I just like noticed that in the game because I mean, they have like the handball and like two PKs, like all that stuff. Like, I just think that's really interesting to see. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a lot of VAR use over the weekend at, at uh, Children's Mercy Park. It's <laughs> exactly. They're like, and then they run on over and check it yep. and stuff. But, and you, do you think that one's a handball? I thought it was a handball, but. In the current game. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, the, the thing is, I, handballs are so tricky especially like that because it's such like a natural reaction just to like move and so yeah. it like it sucks but i mean worked out for us and then kind of didn't but and there's it's a lot of that that i at one time in you know in the world you would have maybe not called that right but because you had because <clears throat> you're trying to standardize it and make it so that it's a little less subjective yes the hand is out there it's called whether it's right. intentional whether it's whatever it just has to get called right. it's, uh, i even made the comment to somebody with sporting that i may not have made the the given the penalty to sporting when the guy took out 
uh, Gotti there at the end line in the game because he was going away from goal. He touched the ball. It was probably going to go across the end line before he could have ever got it. Yep. But because the guy was late, it's a penalty that may not have been a penalty 15 years ago, but today it's stone cold penalty. Right. Well, it's like what Cody was talking about. It's like refing is kind of changing and like, how are we going to adapt to all the different things going? But I just, I just thought it was interesting that there were so many like big calls from refs and they really kind of impacted the games. I'm betting nobody has kept the stat for the number of VAR usage in one stadium on a weekend. And the, and the offsides too. It was a Hamilton's offsides. That yep. one, oh, I wanted her to get that so bad. She, I feel like she needed that just to kind of get that confidence. But, um, it was a nice goal. It was a nice goal, and, and I think barely oh, offside. Oh yeah, bare. Uh, wasn't it her right foot, just like a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that maybe it wouldn't have been called earlier. Um, another thing that I was gonna note though, a positive about the back line, I do think. Um, if we're getting broken down, let's say we lose it up top, I think we're doing a lot better of our recovery runs getting back. Cause I think a lot of the goals that have been scored on us have been a really quick transition. Like, Oh, we make a mistake in our half and then they're going. But I think as far as us losing it in our final third and then getting recovery runs back, I think that's been really positive. I saw a little, a lot of good runs back, um, in the game. So I thought that was just something to know. I think they're getting a lot better at that. Yeah. And a, a big positive too, is that earlier in the year, they would have, when they gave up one, they gave up a second one within five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they waited till the 80th minute to do that. Yeah. This time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's a little different circumstance. They're pushing and things like that. So there's a little bit difference in when you give up a, a third goal at that point, but right, it was just, um, it, it is at least a positive is that they are maturing and getting better. And right. as they can have some of these players on the field for a little bit longer, I think that mm-hmm. will also just continue. The biggest think- issue for them though, is that they're nine points out of a playoff spot with half the season gone. Yeah, I don't. So what do you, what do you do about that then? I mean, seriously, I, and two, I was going to say about keeping those players on the field. Do you think that's a, a fitness thing? Do you think it's a, it is. And well, the thing is you're in season, you can't really work on that. You know, you only get it by playing at this point, uh, right. you know, cause Morgan and Elizabeth both have come off injury, so they have not been able to be fit. Right. I think that's the biggest issue for those two is that's just the timing thing. Right. You'll get the same thing with uh, Alex Loetta, who's coming back now. I saw her in practice today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah Glass, the Swedish right back. or she come, She's coming back? Yeah. Is she was good? in training today. Oh, good. I would uh, – not be surprised. I'm not predicting this, but I would not be surprised if she is in the game day roster this weekend. Okay, that's good. But maybe not play. You know, you kind of like at, at the professional level, a lot of time they'll take a player along with the trip just to get in them in that routine. Right, exactly. Uh, get back in that whole routine and stuff. And then, right. you know, maybe she comes in as a sub in the next game or maybe she gets a few minutes of this game. Who knows? Right. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I I think it really, we were kind of screwed at the beginning of the season with so many influential players being out. Like, I think we had one of the biggest injury lists because there's just people that are influential and our team is new too. like these girls, these women haven't been playing together for very long. So I think like as the season goes on and even hoping we keep a similar roster next year, I think we're only going to be like growing on that because I think the chemistry is starting to come. You can kind of see it in games and you can see it in quick one touches that maybe wouldn't have been there at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's uh, 
it's a good observation. The, uh, I think they've had like eight players on the entry list almost all year. You know, yeah. Somebody comes off, somebody goes on. It's just yep. been kind of ridiculous. And that's that's hard to do, especially because it, the game you have to you. It's almost impossible to build chemistry in a couple of days. Like that, it doesn't work like that. It's trust and it's playing together and it's understanding how other people play. And so obviously, it's just going to come with time. You can't force it. Nope. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh... Another thing of note to me was it was a really good battle between Dabinia and Kingsbury, the spirit goalie. Uh-huh. Uh, I I don't know how many times that seemed like she was breaking in on her and mm-hmm. Kingsbury had to come up with a big save. Uh, yep. You know, she got eight up on those first couple of goals, but after that she was just a wall. Yeah. Well, and Dabinia, I think, I can't remember. I think I remember watching it replay. She like jumped over her head and she like came to like get the touch and, she came out and Davinia had to like travel over. I mean, that's, she's just a, she's a fierce player. Like she is not afraid to go in on the ball. And that's what you need because no. these goalkeepers are really, they're not going to let you inside their six. Like they, they don't want you there. And so I think she's the perfect player to be in there and to battle. And it's funny because she's one of the smallest people, but she battles like no other. Oh yeah. That's no doubt. <laughs> she battles yeah. like no other. I'd be surprised if Kingsbury is not on the U S women's national team list for the world oh, Cup. yeah she played i was very impressed and i mean if you think about it our goals were they're not goals that a lot of goalkeepers are going to save anyways i mean they were great they were great finishes and stuff so yeah well the when you pass to the basically you give a player a shot from what the say the 12 yard spot or whatever it was yeah, you're not uh, gonna and yeah. then the penalty spot essentially almost the same spot really now that i think about it and then the, yeah so those are those are difficult anyways, but I she I think she had a really great game. That's good that you noted that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you want to bring up while we're chatting? I was going to see. I'm kind of looking at my notes here. Um I think we've kind of gotten through everything. I was gonna just say Davinia and Cece, I really like them together. I think they work really, really well, and I think they have a lot of chemistry there. Um, so I like seeing them play. But I, I just, I, again, I'm, I'm a big Kristen Hamilton fan. I think she's been really, really great for the team coming back. And I think she's kind of what we were missing in that front line. Yep. So I've been really proud of what she's done this season um, now that she's been back and I'm just excited. I'm hoping that they just keep, you know, continuing to grow as a team because I think it's there. I think we have, um, and I really like coach. I think she's done a great job and with like what she's had, I get it. It's been a really weird and difficult season, but I think she's doing, um, I think she's very big on the uh, chemistry side of it. And I think that's, um, especially in women's sports, I think that the relationships you have between your teammates, it, it's really, it transfers. Cause I feel like a lot of guys, like they can hate each other off the field on the team. They're like best friends. And then they're like off, but like girls, you have to be like besties for both for it to kind of work. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'd probably get in so much trouble if I said that. Well, I can say it because I'm a player. So I, I feel like I'm allowed to say that as a player because I've seen it firsthand for 15 years. So I understand the impact that if two girls are having a little bit of drama, it's going to ripple into the rest of the team. So I think just them building their chemistry and continuing to know how to play with each other, that's just how they're going to grow. And I'm just excited to see what they do. So, Yeah, I do. I mean, I was just kind of joking about that, but I, there is definitely a, a bit of a difference in the mindset of how men and women approach things. At Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Not always, but a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting when uh, Vlako Anonofsky was the FC Casey coach, FC Kansas City coach, and the the Comets coach, and mm-hmm. seeing how he would yell at those guys and then talk completely different to the women's team, you know, yep. the next yeah. day. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true and people need to be, and people are seeing more and more people need to be taught differently and coached differently. And that's because of learning styles and just natural genetics and DNA. So I could talk about that for hours. I love talking about the mental side of the game and everything like that. So. Okay. That's another pod we're doing. Um, yeah. We, I, oh my gosh, please. I will. That'll be like a two hour podcast. So. Okay. You can host that one. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I could talk about that all day. So. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is interesting and it, you know, it's not a, a hundred percent always one way or the other, but because different players need, and sometimes the guys need their to be hugged and the arm around them and stuff like right. that. And sometimes the women need to be yelled at, but it's right. a little bit usually the other way around. Right. And that's, I mean, whatever works, works. So yeah. yeah and, and it'll vary from team to team too. So, right. Exactly. So I think that's all I got. I think we kind of covered everything, but, um, uh... That was a disappointing game, but I'm, I think we're as much as it sucks right now, I think there's better things building. So that's exciting. It'll just be, it'll be interesting to see if they can go on a run like they did last year. Yep. Uh, last year they went on a 13 game unbeaten streak. Yeah. But they're past that now. They're like six or nine points behind what they would have been last year. Right. But I mean, still, I mean, stuff happens. So I think they could do it. It's feasible. Yeah, they I mean, seem to lock in. But it has to be a lot of wins. And yeah, it does. They've squandered uh, home field advantage because they've played majority of these games at home. Right. So then now they have to go on the road. And it's, yeah, this may not be a great question for you, but I wonder how some teams actually will play better on the road. That's what I was going to say. And, you know, because it's an opposing atmosphere, it's more negative, it's more, yeah. you know, fires you up kind of thing. Yeah, I was and, just about to say that as soon as you said that, because when I travel for showcases, um, I think my team gets more locked in because your whole weekend is the game. It's not like when you're at home and it's like, okay, you're hanging out with your friends Friday night and then you're playing Saturday morning and then you're going to do like, it's the whole weekend, what you're eating, how you're sleeping. Like, I mean, that's how it should always be. But when you're with your team and you're in that environment and your one job is to go play and you're with your team, so you're building that chemistry again. I, I mean, I would say, from my experience, my team and most teams tend to be more locked in when it's an away thing. So, I mean, hopefully that's the case for current. We'll see, but. I think in, uh, in the, at least in the professional level, I know like Vermees has talked about this a lot is when you're the home team, you feel the pressure, pressure is not the right word, but you feel it, uh, you feel it, it's incumbent upon you to drive the game. So you're mm -hmm. the one that has to come out and entertain the home team. Yes. The home crowd, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it will then make you kind of sometimes make mistakes because you do that. Right. Well, and I feel like it's also like an underdog mindset. Yeah. Like we're coming in, we got nothing to lose. Like we're the, we're not the home team. So then it's like, I'm just going to give it my all and leave it out all out on the field. Which you should be doing all the time anyway, but it's just, there is. Right. It's, it's different. And even if you is. subconscious, right. Like you don't think that you're doing it, but your, your brain's doing all these different things. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, easy for fans sometimes to say, well, a player should always be doing this or, you know, always should be going all out, should be doing everything possible, but people are still human. They have all the little same foibles. If you work at quick trip or at an office or on the field, you still have that mindset of things are going on in your world. So yeah, it's, it's not always easy. One of my good, uh, one of my friends is the, uh, psychologist therapist for sporting 
And she says half the time, they don't even want to talk about soccer. They want to talk about their girlfriend or their kids or like, she's like, they're humans too. They have other things going on in their life. And just like you have a bad day at work, they have a bad game. Like you can't just expect them to be, and yes, you, you're getting paid for it. You need to be good at it, blah, blah, blah. But people can't say they haven't made a mistake at work. So no. it's the same thing. And that's, I mean, that's again, the mental health thing. And I could talk about that. So we're doing a podcast on that soon. But I think people forget that. I think it's important to remember that. So, yeah. See, like uh, I know this is now sliding away from the current, but uh, Kyrie Shelton for sporting. I always feel bad for him because he's received so much hate because he's had some rough games. He's not been in form and all this other good stuff. However you want to say it, he's right. been just getting a lot of hate from fans. And this mm-hmm. last game, he essentially was arguably, arguably the cause for them to have lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also not him that put himself in those positions. It was the coach. Right. So I think Peter defends him pretty well too, which I do yeah. like. I like that he advocates for his players. Um, but it's true. Like you don't ever know what's going on. Like he might be having problems in his own life that's affecting his play. I mean, that's yeah. just how it works. So I agree. I, I'm glad that Peter though kind of takes his side a little bit, but you still got to perform. So it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a double-edged sword. It is. It's a it's a results oriented business and it sometimes sucks. Yeah. Yep. So all right. I think that's all I got. Okay, I'm gonna ask you what question should I ask to Sperry? I'm giving you the question to ask him. Um I would ask him something. I'm totally thinking. I'm like really thinking about this. About I should, uh, I should stall while you're thinking. And just like <laughs> I should filibuster while you're just thinking, right? Uh huh. About uh, Delfava, how she's been doing. I think that'd be kind of interesting because I, I don't think she's been like a real like standout player, but I also don't think she's caused issues. I feel like she's just been kind of like neutral. And then you could also just ask about like, hmm. I I'd say about Izzy coming in on the sub. Yeah. You could ask about that and kind of what you think. I think just subs in general. Because it's, I think it's kind of a similar issue to what sporting's having. Like we start off really strong, but then when we bring our subs in, it's just not keeping the energy and it's not being like difference makers. So I would ask him something about that. I think that'd be interesting. But I think I phrase would... it as the, uh, the similarity between those two games. Yeah. Cause I mean, they were pretty similar too. Yeah. Especially with like the rest and blah, blah, blah. So I, I did weird how similar they are, but. I would ask about those two things, just about like kind of subs in general and then about just like Delfava and stuff and how, you know, he likes seeing her out there and all that. So, yeah, cool. I think that's kind of all I got. But all right. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining. This is yeah. uh, <laughs> any last words to wrap up segment two. Um, I would just say I'm excited to see what the girls do for the rest of their season. And I'm hoping that we can meet again soon and talk about everything. And hopefully we're talking about a win. Let's hope so. Um, they cool. they play this weekend in Orlando, so let's yep. let's just shoot for early next week for a keeping current pod, regardless of whether we can do it at the same time or not. All right, perfect. Do part one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, I like talking soccer. So for anybody who's listening this much, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Dad. Well, thank you, and we are out of segment two. <laughs>
All right. I am back for segment three of the Keeping Current podcast today. Uh, we've had Jillian Carol Ladrinko, Keaton Code, and now my very special guest is Daniel Sperry. <laughs> special guest. I've been I've been elevated to special guest. I could have said many things and I was nice. So don't give me too hard of a time. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh boy. How you doing, man? I'm good. Um doing good. I'm doing well. It's been a, a long couple of weeks for me and day job outside of covering soccer because none of us do this full time. Um but <clears throat> it's been uh it's been a uh good couple of days of attempt at rest. And I think we're starting to feel closer to 100% again. So, um, you're referring yeah. to yourself in a third person. We, yes, we, we, I'm not the only one today was our first day back in the office for my day job. And all of us, we basically worked a, a 10 day event, um, which sounds like a lot, but it's more like two events kind of split into 10 days and oh man, everyone is a zombie. I've never seen our, our the whole office, the whole building is just walking at snail's pace and very minimal conversations. It's quiet. I kind of like it, but at the same time, you can tell everyone's pretty gassed after what we all went through. So well, I'm sure no, I've been there for that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird because like you're there for a while. It's like I saw you every single day, sometimes multiple times a day for mm-hmm. current sporting, current sporting, 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 current, current. It was like there were more days in a week that we didn't that we did see each other than we didn't. It was by far. Um, very and close. then all of a sudden you're gone, man. And I'll like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I get to ask the first questions. Yes, you get to ask the first questions and you get to be the only one to ask questions sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so current uh, lost three two to Washington Spirit after having a two nothing lead there for a little while. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, just I've already talked a little bit about this with Jillian and Keaton, but just any quick real thoughts on what went wrong there? Um, what went wrong was simply that they had to pull off Elizabeth Ball and Morgan Gatro because they're not quite healthy yet. Um, I think we saw two nil. Um, you know. I think there's some general issues with this team that they're having right now, um, which has been putting together the final product in the final third, um, because they had numerous opportunities to put this game further out of reach as well. Um, And I don't want, I don't mean to discredit the work that was done, but both these goals were somewhat that they scored early were somewhat fluky, right? Like you have a weird deflection that falls in the lap of Michelle Cooper with so much time that she can take a touch inside the six and so get off the shot with a very good goalkeeper bearing down on her and Aubrey Kingsbury. So um, Aubrey, Audrey, sorry if I butchered that. Um, But uh, the, and then you have a penalty on a ball that Morgan Gautreau is heading back across the face of goal. And that was probably, I mean, I, wasn't going to materialize into the greatest chance, but it was a handball in that instance. And they earn a penalty kick and it wasn't, you know, they, they created some nice moments, but like the, was the final shot there a lot in this game? I don't know that it was. 
Um, but they got themselves into the place where either the shot was potentially available or the shot was one pass away. And they didn't put the game out of reach in in that way because um, they didn't capitalize on those opportunities. And that has been, I think, a consistent theme um, for them regardless. But they don't concede three goals if Elizabeth Ball and Morgan Gatrot are still on the field. And Elizabeth Ball is good in the air. Um, she's a good aerial defender. She has a lot of speed as well, and she knows where the line is at. And it's a young mistake from Croy Soto to not step with the rest of the line, but that's what keeps uh, McCown on side for the last goal. And um, you know, I think those are those are things that I think should be frustrating for the current because they were the better team against in the standings, the best team in the league, and they should have won. Uh, and I don't think it was, I don't think they were the, you know, I think they were the better team by a, a decent margin in that match too. Um, you know, the spirit. I would, I would just interrupt to say, I would say they were the better team for two thirds of that game. Yeah, I would say so as well. Uh, even then though, I don't, I didn't really feel like Washington was going to get one back until about the 75th minute. And I think that's one when tired legs really hit and two when, you know, they kind of around somewhere along those lines they had to pull ball and control off and i think that's um just a sign of you know i wrote a piece about it last week that they're they got to figure out what they're going to do are they going to keep pushing to try this tactical evolution or are they going to do something pragmatic to get results and you know they tried to keep the back four um, and have a single central midfielder in Di Bernardo with CC Kaiser and uh, Dabinia in front of her in the midfield, and that didn't work. And so uh, it's not good enough defensively when you have um, that many inexperienced players behind the back line. So you've got, like at that point, you need to have maybe brought on Addison Merrick as well um, to play it that way. And so I think... Um, you know, I think there's some a couple of question marks I have on those on that decision. To if you if you do have to take Elizabeth Ball and Gutro off, then you've got to figure out a way. Um, put Chardonnay Curran into the match uh, for another midfielder. Um, she was good at seeing out matches um, last year, and put Addison Merrick in there to give a back five. So you have uh, more people back there. You have a lot of aerial ability at that moment too, and you've got more bodies uh, along that back line. And I just think that, I think that kind of bet them in the end. And so, you know, it's a good, maybe it's a good sign of things to come for them for the first minutes, but we're at a point now in the season where they need points. And the, the more that they drop points, the further off they're going to fall. Um, they only have 10 games left in the regular season to which, you know, which, you're, which you're you're interrupting the question that i was going to ask you you were going to answer it before it. Yeah. i actually asked the question go for can it they make the playoffs yes they can um i think okay. playoffs... i guess i need to ask that in less of a yes or no kind of type of answer so what do they need to do if they're going to be able to and don't just say win what do you think then <laughs> consistency <laughs> They need yeah. some freaking consistency. Yeah, I agree. And but they need to get a lot of points, and they're they've really put themselves behind the eight ball by having squandered a lot of home games. So, yeah, maybe. yeah, and that's the problem. We we have ten games left. The current have ten games left, and seven of them are on the road. 
and they are all against Port. They're against Portland. They're against Orlando coming up here. You know, we're going to break for uh, the World Cup after the Portland Thorns game in two weeks. Um, or they're on the road in Portland. They the, that's they have the, at that point they will have eight regular season games left, and that is not a lot. Um, sorry, they will have seven regular season games left and three Challenge Cup matches. Now, most of those will be when players come back from the World Cup. And I even I think Caroline kind of hinted at it in the press conference, although that's just the only thing that she did in the press conference was hint at potential moves in. Um, I There is a... Uh, you mean there wasn't a bunch of other rumors coming out of there? Uh, there wasn't about out of the press conference directly. There wasn't. Um, we'll leave it at that. But I think it's just one of those things where they they the team like Hannah Glass is going to come back at some point. Um, we're going to get Desiree Scott into the mix after the World Cup, and we're going we're going to and I don't know maybe even in Challenge Cup before if you know if Canada says no um, that she isn't healthy enough to go, and there's an opportunities for her to to be included in the in the Challenge Cup games that are during the World Cup break. Do I see her being told no by Canada? Absolutely not. But um, unless she is, unless she really isn't available to do that, but, um, well, we I, haven't I'd, seen her in practice yet, so we haven't. And I think, you know, the statement from, so, um, from Caroline last week was that she was going to continue her rehab with Canada and potentially be on their roster for a world cup. So I don't know if she's at the point where she can start resuming full training when she gets there. Um, and what that looks like, but we'll see what, you know, that's a little bit of a different environment than, um, within the current. So, um, I'm just looking at this cause I wanted to look at last year's standings. Um, and the cut line last year for the playoffs was 33 points. Um, the current had 36 points. Um, and the, the, the max points that the current can get this year is already is 39. Um, there was a very significant jumble though of four teams at the top of that line. But again, the current have put themselves in a situation where they have to go on a massive unbeaten run um, to get out of this hole. And uh, they're going to have to not lose games at all um, down the stretch here. And they haven't shown like that ability to grind out a result this year in the manner that they had last year. Um, And they've had opportunities to do it and they have failed to do so. And so I think that's, that's concerning. Um, so what what do they need to do? They've got they've got to at some point embrace the fact that points are necessary. Points are incredibly necessary, and that the trying to get to the style, the desired style of play, at this point is something that should be tabled or secondary um, to getting points. And I think that's the that is um, that's kind of where they're at. That maybe that, and I think that'll be the deciding factor of whether or not they make the playoffs is whether or not they can make that switch when it's needed to be. Yeah, I, I'm having a lot of doubts myself at this point. Not that I'm wishing them ill will, but it's uh, it would be an amazing, amazing thing to go from making the final, adding the best free agents or three of the top five free agents. I'll just say something along that line from the NWSL and then failing to make the playoffs. Yeah. And right now I don't see, uh, again, 
mathematically, yes, it's possible. Yes, they could rally together and become road warriors and knock out a ton of points, but I just not really seeing it happening, man. Yeah. You know, I think if you look at that match, there's three points dropped. You look at the match in Chicago that they shouldn't have lost. Um, they are a significantly better team than Chicago. Uh, we know that. We can see that. Um, you're looking at, at that point, you pull all those back, you're at 15 points. And that's only three out of the playoffs, but they're nine out. And so um, that that's, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a point of, I think, I think fans are fair to be frustrated. Um, it's the first time I've had like a frustrated comment. Like I get this, I got this a lot with sporting. I'm a season ticket holder and I'm sick and tired of this. And, you know, of course, and, and that's a, that's a wonderful meme too, that goes around when fan when you know, teams put out something that fans don't like, and they sit on there. I've been a season ticket holder for 45 years. This is the last straw. Um, this is not, and this wasn't what this post was like the comment that I got, but the, the, the comment that I received was I'm a season ticket holder and this is concerning. This is like, this team should be significantly better than this. Um, and on paper, they're absolutely right. And I think that's the frustrating thing is that there have been a lot of things that have been out of control over those on the field, um, injuries, um, there are players who were signed with injuries. There are players who, um, and knowing it was going to take a long recovery, um, they were razor thin at depth at center back and they lost their two best center backs within the first three weeks of the season. Um, so, you know, and they did that. They had plenty of, they had ample time to go and get somebody in. Um, they have ample assets on this team, uh, to be able to go and get somebody with, and they failed to do so. And I think that's, that should they, be, they like could the, trade a player. What they could, and even if they, even if the player hasn't asked to be a tra- be traded, they could also trade that player. Um, I think though, just looking at like, looking at some of those decisions, the the head coaching thing, whatever went on in the back room, um, you know, we don't know to the fullest extent, um, and it's not out there publicly, and it doesn't seem like anyone wants to put anything out there pro- publicly about what actually happened there. But that plays a result in a, a factor in all of this as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's frustrating to have injuries pile up the way that they did for players at the start of the season. But the problem is, is that they were already going into the season with a list of five or six players uh, out of long-term injury. So that means you can't afford the normal run of injuries that you get in a season. And it's a bit of a roster flaw that's in the end has bitten them in the, in the butt because now you're at a point where you have to have Morgan Gautreau and Elizabeth Ball in there for your system to work. And you got to have them healthy. And while we knew, again, the, the, uh, so much frustration with this team, but we don't know if Morgan was hurt coming into the season, in training camp, or what. Same with Vanessa. We knew mm-hmm. Desi was. We obviously knew Mewis is out and, you know, uh, Mal Weber was hurt the first game she came back in. So that's another lost spot that a mm-hmm. uh, player that would have helped at least defensively as an outside back. Yeah. There's so many little things that this team 
knew going in, I mean, we've we've known for a long time that these players were hurt and they would be out long term at least. They signed Hannah Glass did. knowing that she wasn't going to play for a while. You knew Claire Lavoisier wasn't coming back until the yeah. summer. I mean, those are... Which, which, by the way, saw her training today. Yeah. Uh, just warming up or just doing stuff on the side by herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw Hannah Glass doing stuff. So that was mm-hmm. nice. Saw Alex Loetta in training, actually full doing stuff. So good. Good. Uh, so I would, I think I would just, I will make this prediction that the next game or two, you'll see Glass on the game day roster and probably not play just to mm-hmm. get that rhythm of going on a on a game, on a trip, et cetera. And then probably the game after that, you'll see her come in for a little bit of time and then start to assert some some real minutes. Yeah. Uh, probably the same for Loera since she was out for so long. Mm-hmm. She'll be probably coming back in the next week or two-ish. Mm-hmm. Let's see, we still don't know anything about Low. Other than the last time I was told it would be a couple weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But the I felt like the or so might be the bigger part of that statement. Yeah. But not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do we see low before the World Cup? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just so many questions and issues and injuries and just going back to again something you said earlier about the the change in coaching. I know we have been both frustrated by asking questions, and I know we have both heard things from various different sources that we felt were reasonably reliable, but reasonable ethical reporting doesn't mean we can just say what those are, correct? Without having people being on record or at least multiple sources to say what those are. Correct. Unlike some media in this world. So it's just, it's a frustrating thing that we want to say a little bit more. So sometimes if we have a little uh, edge when we talk about that stuff, that's why. Good way of putting it. All right. Uh, When I had Keaton on earlier, she asked me to pass you a question or two. Well, two questions. All right. And what's that? So what you got, Keaton? All right. She asked uh, what you thought of Kate DeFaba this year, her, how she's doing and about Izzy Rodriguez coming in as a sub. All right. Let's a, I'll go with the Kate one first. I think Kate's been fine. Um, I don't think she's, uh, you know, she's not. So here's the thing. Hannah Glass, when she gets integrated in, she is like the prototypical attacking fullback um, in a four in a back four um, possession system. Like she's that's her prototype. And Kate Delfava is a really good wing back, which means she covers the wide spaces really well. And I think that and when she has that flank coverage, I think she's adapted well to the back four too. Like I think I've I, I think she's adapted better to it than Haley Mace has. Um I, I and but I also think that like you're in year two of learning how to play this position and you have a because Kate Delfava has not been a uh fullback four um or wing back. So whereas Hannah Glass is a 
you know, career in that position uh, for for Bayern Munich um, at the top levels in Europe at the with Sweden. I mean, that's so that's the thing that it'll be interesting to watch what happens to Kate's playtime. Um, obviously, you know, they signed Hannah Glass. They're going to have to play her. They're going to have to continue to push her through. Um, I think Kate can also be a good asset in the midfield, too. So I'd be curious to see how she helps out that depth once Hannah Glass is available and part of that depth as well. Um, so I think it, it's interesting. I, I think Kate's evolution has been, was really good and she really came on strong in that position. I think she's a decent one V one defender in the buildup is where I actually see her strength, but the final third is not necessarily the strength where it's delivering that final pass or that cross. Um, she's gotten a few assists and she scored one goal there. That was a big goal, but, um, the, the interplay and the timing of passes and and when to advance into the next space um, forward ha- is really smart. And I think it's very midfielder of her. Um, so I still think at times she's a bit of a midfielder playing out at right wing back versus being a true wing back. Um, but I think she's done fine at that role this year. Um, and has continued to build off of what we saw from last year for her, or at least continued what we saw from her last year. Um, Izzy Rodriguez off the bench is really, I I like the play that she brings. Um, She likes to get very high and very wide, and I think she also has a bit of the stuff in the final third that Kate doesn't have. But because she is a natural left footer and she has very gifted service on the ball, um, we saw in the Chicago match, right in the or in the uh, Challenge Cup, um, she started at left back, and Haley Mace played up high, and I really liked how that looked. One because Haley Mace is an excellent presser, and when she's pressing from a fullback position, then she leaves a gigantic gap and tons of space behind her, and that's not good. And you can't use that asset um, from her, especially when you're in a back four. But having Izzy Rodriguez, who's a pure left back um out there uh, with a very good attacking mindset and she is not afraid to kind of get into you physically too on the defensive side um I, I i think izzy honestly should be getting more minutes to be honest i don't i i like the role that she comes in off the bench but i really think um at the moment it might be really good for Haley mace to play higher up uh as as a winger and a pressing winger and a very I don't I won't I don't want to say a Kyrie Shelton esque role because I think she is uh more apt to score goals <laughs> uh in in her in her role in that spot uh with the team there. But um I think she can she can handle any of those positions really well. And I think a lot of her strengths are exemplified when she plays higher up the field, either as a wing back or that. So if you're going to play a back four, I think Izzy Rodriguez is the left back that you should be rolling with. Um, because I think she fits the the prototypical fullback, the left back that you would expect in a back four. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really high on Izzy's development, uh, this year and what we saw. I think she was good in the moments that we saw from her last year, this year, you've, she's really shown that she can handle extended minutes, um, at the position and has been really good when she does so. So I'd, I'd like to see more of her. Yeah, I would agree. I really kind of a fan of her. Uh, then the biggest problem is that she's competing with Haley for that space over there. Yeah. And just depends on that formation. You're going to roll out there and where you're going to do, because Mace is too good not to try to find a place for her on the field. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
not perfect at any of those places. It's yeah. That's that's her problem is that mm-hmm. I don't I can't go, okay, she's obviously this is her strongest the strong spot that she's going to claim and that's going to be hers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's too good not to find a spot for. Correct. Yeah. And that's why I mean it it works really well when you have the back five if Haley Mace is that what left wing back fullback. Um but man, I you know she is good on that attacking line, especially when they don't have the ball. And that is that is a, a different side of her game that shines when she's put higher up the field. And I think you get the best out of the left side if you've got her higher up and Izzy behind her. And honestly, there would have been times I would have, if I was playing a back five, I would have put Izzy as the left of the the back three and just yeah. seen how that went. But I don't remember them ever doing that. They did. They did? Yep. The game against the Chicago Red Stars. She was the left center back in that one. Uh, however, however, yeah. she's not the problem in that game. She's not the problem in that game. <laughs> she is certainly not the problem in that game. Yeah, no, so, I remember that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So she played in that spot um, and did really did did well there. So we're not going to call out the problem in that spot. No, we're being nice today. We're always nice at for least, the most part. At least the players, just maybe not other media. <laughs> Um, oh, or other so-called nice to, media. We're nice to each other. Yeah. Well, we give each other crap, but that's yes, that's, that's part of it. Reasonably nice. Uh all right, man. Orlando coming up. Just any quick thoughts on that before we uh we conclude this long three segment pod? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a. If the current have everybody, they've had a whole week off, right? Um, Elizabeth Ball and Morgan Gautreau can go ninety minutes. They're, they should win this game, to be honest. Um, I, I I think Orlando's a decent team, um, and they've they they still haven't they they aren't like they're they're they've taken the right step from being bad last year, but they are a much they they're still not good enough that when this current team, if they have everybody at their um you know in their right spots and at the at their best, um I I think this is a winnable game for the current on the road and. I think, especially with this being the truly the last one before, like Dabinia goes uh, to Brazil, um, goes with Brazil to the World Cup, um, which it's good for them because then they play Portland on the road. Portland's going to be missing a whole lot of USA players um, for that match. So, um, I, you know, Dabinia is a huge miss, but this team still has some attacking talent without her. So, um, yeah. I think, uh, I think. Uh, there, there's opportunities here in these next two games for the current to really improve their standings and give them a much better outlook from when everybody comes back from the World Cup. And I, uh, I, I think this this one against the Orlando, you win this game on the road, then you get some confidence going into Portland. And I think they should. I think they really need that. So um, I say this is a game that they is winnable for them. Um, and I would like to see hopefully more of what we've saw what we saw from them. For the first 65, 70 minutes against uh, Washington and what we saw for most of the match against Chicago. Yeah, well, Ch- Chicago is like playing a minor league team. Anyway, the um, they're going to be one of the least hurt teams by the call by the national the the World Cup call ups. Obviously, Dabinia mm-hmm. is such a big player, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out to you, and I've asked everybody else essentially the same question. Mm-hmm. With Dabinia being gone, do you feel like they will actually maybe? come together a little bit more because every 
every team that no, she's every team, lots of teams that have a superstar and Dominia is a superstar. The focus becomes on them. Oh, we, we get the ball up. We're playing it to that player in the box instead of thinking more about my own shot or the winger on the far side or whatever, you know, I just wonder if they will actually have a little bit better possession style, a little bit better buildup if they're not concentrating on getting it to the superstar. Yeah. I Maybe. Um, especially with players like DiRonardo and Coutreau in the middle are very good passers of the ball, very good um, movers of it. So when you have, when you have that there, then I think there's a lot more thoughts about what channel I can put the ball into which player. Um, and you might, you, you have might see CC Mimi ca- and Michelle get more service. Yeah. And you also will see like CC will be on the ball a lot more right. again, which is uh, last year was a lot, did a lot of good things for them. And this year when CC has been on the ball, a lot of positive things have happened. So um, we'll be, it'll be fun to watch and see how it shakes out. Um, of course, you miss the just uncanny ability that is Dabinia to get out of situations um, that seem impossible. Like when four, like on Sunday, there was a moment where she was literally surrounded by four players and she popped out of there with the ball and two of them ran smack right into each other. And she eliminated two players with one quick move and was gone up the field. And they nearly scored. And it's just like, yes, there are times where maybe the overall buildup loses loses it because there's the focus on trying to get to Dabinia and then Dabinia has got three players on her in the box. And there's not a whole lot of options after that. Um, but that there's moments like that, that you also lose is that the ability yep. to just do the most un- the unpredictable and the highlight reel and the, the, the pull something out of nothing um, type of plays. So. Oh yeah. Trust me. I love having Dabinia there. I've just, Again, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, say reaching, but I have seen teams just become better team overall team play when I when the the superstar mm-hmm. is out for a re, for a while, and then when they come back, it becomes a more balanced team. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll we'll see if that happens. I'm not necessarily predicting it, but just halfway. A half prediction. Yeah, it's well, good. That's what we do on this show: is half a, predictions. It's a it's a ponder. So a ponder is a. <laughs> A theory, a you know, like just putting it out there to see how it works. Yeah. All right. I any last words, man? Nope. But thanks for following us and uh, keeping up with our work and our podcast. And thanks for asking questions, Keaton. And uh, we'll see you guys when we see you. And uh, also, thank you to Ryan, who I talked to at the last game. Uh, I've talked to. I've just ran in. Uh, Ryan came up to me while I was shooting and. Hey, are you? Yes. And he, he mentioned that he loves the, the site and all the pods and all that stuff. So I'm, I gave him a shout out on the, the other pods that we do for sporting related stuff. But that's been a couple, that's been a couple people just in the, uh, recently, one of them, I was at an event shooting and talking to somebody and he goes, I recognize your voice. And <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so he's good or bad. <laughs> no, he said he loved the pod. So I, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully that's all good, but I just appreciate anybody listening, everybody listening, uh, read, rebate, listen, rate, review, subscribe, all those things that I'm supposed to say. I'm not very good at, but I appreciate it. And Daniel, thanks for all the time that you spend uh, talking about soccer with me, man. That's, that's what I love to do. So it's a blast, man.
All right, and we are out. Thank you.